Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. The Deeper Dive Podcast is about going deeper into God's Word, learning new insight, and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. Today's episode is part three from The Journey by Robert Carrillo. So get your scuba gear and let's dive deep into God's Word. Here's Robert Carrillo. So this class is is part three, the wall, the desert, and the dark night. You know, we we talked about we've talked about transformation and we've talked about the walls that we the stages of development, you know, the 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 early stage where we discover God, where where we recognize God, the stage of of uh the life of discipleship, where we learn to live as disciples the stage of productivity where we get good at it and we get productive and, you know, we're doing lots of things for God. And usually in that stage, and that stage can go 10, 20, 30 years, but, but there's these growing uh, feelings we get or growing discontent or grow or something happens that triggers us and we get stuck at a wall. We hit this wall. So we're going to talk about that wall and getting through that. And I think it's incredibly important because many get stuck there. So we're going to start with John 4, and then Michelle's going to share some thoughts on this. Let me go ahead and read it. And then, Michelle, if you could um, share some thoughts on this. So in John 4, uh, Jesus answered her. Remember, this is the scene of the woman at the well. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. There's some important um, principles here. Michelle, uh, would you like to, I'm kind of putting you on the spot because I didn't even know you were going to be able to make it tonight, but would you like to share some thoughts um, on this? Yeah, I can. I can share um, and then you can add to it or whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think um, I was reading this scripture the other day and um, it kind of, especially, okay, I'm going to say all this. I don't know how much it, whatever. Okay. So in helping, um, uh, another region work through some things in their ministries. I'm realizing like sometimes you can get with a group of people and, and they're, they, you know, want help for the single moms, for the marrieds, for the teens, for the campus, for the children's ministry, for uh, chemical recovery, for, you know, a whole lot of specific things and I, I, of course, I want all those people to have the help that they need. And um, and yet at the same time, as people can list all these things, 
then they might even also say, but nobody wants to volunteer <laughs> to help. And um, I think it kind of got me thinking about how obviously God wants all these needs met. He wants people cared for. But I think his answer is different than the answers we've come up with. And that's not to say we don't have a class here or there, or we don't um, focus on some of these needs. Um, but um, I think when Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And it kind of stood out to me that in in um, when we're baptized, I mean, we we're told, and now you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we say, Yay! you know, and everybody shares and, and we just leave the gift there all wrapped up. And we don't know what to do with him. And it kind of just made me realize that if we can really point people to what is really going to quench their thirst? What is really going to make them um, satisfied and filled and um, not thirsty anymore? It, it's Jesus. And I think sometimes we forget that as leaders. We forget that as people. We forget that as ministry people that if we can teach people how to go to Jesus to get this living water, then they won't be thirsty. But if we continue to just be the well in their life, here, let me scoop out some water for you here. Here's a cup. Now that can be for the whole day and next week too. You know, I mean, I think sometimes we, we, we kind of mess up the plan with our plans, right? Like if we can help people really know that Jesus is the living water, that to teach them how to go get a drink from him, to, to remember that God is always with us, that um, this is, this is where we get our life. It's from him. It's not from people. It's not from, even from the church, although we obviously need the community, we need each other. That's not where the living water comes from. So, um, but I do think that it, it's, it sounds, well, it's just fundamentally correct that we go to God for this living water. We go to Jesus for this living water and we don't try to be a well in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, and, and the reason why we we're going into dealing with the wall with this scripture is an introduction to that is because it is the most fundamental principle. It may sound obvious, like, well, of course it's Jesus that helps us. Of course it's the Holy spirit that will get us through things, but it isn't our our practical instinct. It isn't what we naturally do. We want we want to, you know, as when we're leaders, we want to fix everybody, or we create a program, or we expect things to help us, to serve us, to fix us, or to do for us. And oftentimes, the practical reality is 
we're not turning to God. We're not going to the well of life, which, you know, of course, water represents the Holy Spirit. And we're not drinking from the Holy Spirit. We're not learning how to to, uh, rely on the Holy Spirit. We're not learning how to yoke ourselves to Jesus. We're looking for solutions. And if and if the first solution isn't coming to the well of Jesus, then we find other things. It's a program. It's a leadership model. It's the way the church should be organized. It's how we do church. It's top-down leadership. It's this, that. And all those things are important. I'm not saying they're not important. We got to get those things right. But what's far more important is that we learn how to draw from Jesus, that we learn how to drink from the Holy Spirit, because that's the water that will keep us from being in thirst and hunger all the time. That's the water that quenches our thirst. That's the water that blesses us and helps us. And this is important. This is the important principle behind dealing with the walls that we're we're going to hit in life. In fact, the very reason there are even leaders in the church or leaders in life for this very reason, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, that we all grow up in Jesus and attain, attain, that we grab a hold of, that we drink deeply, that we that we root ourselves, that we ground ourselves in Jesus. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there, by the wind of every teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, right, of Jesus, who is the head that is Christ. So it's all about, and every role of leadership is about growing up in Jesus, learning how to drink the water from him so that we're not constantly thirsty, so we don't have to keep coming back, so we solidify. And that really is the root or the the, the foundation of getting through walls. So just as a reminder, we talked you know, as we're marching along in our Christian life, we're in that productive stage. And then we hit a wall. It can be a faith crisis, you know, that that something terrible happens to somebody we love. Uh, You know, something unfathomable, a child gets cancer or, or something happens in the world that just rocks our faith. And we hit this wall of why, God, why would you allow this? Why, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you, we prayed to you. Why didn't you change it? That sometimes is a wall that we hit. We hit conflicts in the church that just rock us. We get in a conflict with another leader or another brother or sister, and, and we just can't fix it. And it becomes a wall. We can't move forward. We're, we're, we're not happy, we're, we're, we're upset, we feel, you know, it's not fair, or it's not right, and that could be a wall. A life crisis, you know, something happens, we lose something, we lose a job, we, we go through a, a crisis, something that, that we didn't, we, we didn't want to see happen in our life, you know, or somebody we love, something happens to somebody we're close to. Things that are unresolved, doubts, questions we had about the church, about the Bible, about God, about a leader, about a person, that 
after, you know, we could only, we could, we ignored it. We brushed it under the rug five, 10, 15 years. And that rug had a mountain that we just couldn't get beyond anymore. And then we have to deal with it. We got to deal with our doubts. We got to deal with, or sometimes it's, it's hurts that are not resolved. Right. And they're piling up and piling up and piling up. And like a couple that hasn't resolved their conflicts, they just blow up one day. Right. We blow up with the church. We blow up with leaders. We blow up with somebody in our Bible talk. And then another one that's very different, but very, I would say one of the most common ones is burnout where we just get tired. We've physically pushed too far too much and and we get to a point where we hit a wall physically i just i can't do this anymore uh or emotionally and oftentimes these three are tied together but emotionally getting burned out where i've i've got i've i've yeah i've got compassion fatigue i just can't give anymore or spiritual fatigue spiritual burnout I don't want to lead anything. I don't want, you know, we've all felt that and we've all seen others pull away and say, you know, people who led house churches or led lots of people to Jesus or were in there doing marriage counseling, helping other couples. And then they hit a wall and they're like, don't ask me to do anything. And I think we got a lot of people there. They're just, they're sitting in the back and they're like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Don't ask me to do anything. They're just, they're at burnout and they need to get through this. And there's a way to get through it. The last one is the, the dark night of the soul. This is probably one of the toughest ones because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different than all the others. This is when you just, you feel like you've lost God. You, you're praying, but you're not connecting. You feel like you're talking to a wall. You feel like God has abandoned you. This is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You feel alone. You, you're praying. If you haven't seen it, you got to see the movie, The Two Popes. Um, I think I recommended this already, but it's it's a it's a, a movie about the dark night of the soul, and one of the popes is going through a dark night of the soul. And there's little there's a little scene at the beginning that I never caught it the first couple of times I saw it, but like the third or I think it was the third time I saw it that I caught it at the beginning. There's a candle, and the candle burns out, and the smoke just goes down. It doesn't go up, and of course, if you remember, smoke the smoke rising from the from the from the temple was the prayers of the saints going up to heaven. In other words, his prayer wasn't going up to heaven anymore. It was just dropping down. That's the dark night of the soul. You feel alone. You feel abandoned. And, and the thing is, is that you don't get to the mature or the deeper, stronger stages of spirituality until you get through these walls. And, and these walls are very difficult. They're tough times. Uh, a lot of people slip into deconstruction where just, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in the church. I don't know if I believe in our doctrine. Sometimes even, I don't know if I believe in God or I believe in the Bible. Um, we, 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 we get this place where we got questions, we have doubts, we have fears, and we have to work through them. And, uh, you know, I mentioned this in the last class that sometimes it's really challenging because we 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 can get kind of cranky in this stage and we question everything and we 
and we kind of demand the answers and we can get kind of prideful about this. And, and, you know, this is what like spiritual adolescence, it's like when our preteens start questioning us, why do we have to do this? Why do we got to have family devotionals? Why do we have to believe, you know, why do we got to go to church every Sunday? I mean, I, I remember with each of my kids hitting that stage and questioning, why do I have to do it? What you say, you know, it's like, wait a second, buddy, I'm your dad. I do it because I say so. And that same same temptation is for all leaders, right? It's a member starts questioning, why are we doing this? Why do we have to do that in the church? Who, who you know, why why do we have to do what you say? And the temptation for the leaders is to come down and say, because I say so. That's why, because we generally don't like dealing with rebellion or deconstruction is like a dirty word, especially these days, you know. And and we're seeing it. We're seeing lots of young people deconstruct Christianity deconstruct the church and it, there's that temptation to come down on them you know how dare you question or don't you know you know and and you know as parents when we had teens most of us learned not to react to love them through it to help them get through that phase or at the very least just hang in there you know hang in there don't react don't destroy your relationship with your son or your daughter just keep loving them and they'll get through this. This too will pass. And, and that's, you know, for, for many leaders, that's a, that's a very hard thing to keep loving somebody who's at a wall or who's deconstructing the church. But the problem is this is a normal part of spiritual development. We all go through these stages where we're just like, I'm not believing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. Or I don't agree with that. And that's okay. I mean, we have to figure out what is our faith. And that's that's what begins the inward journey, where we start to figure out not what does the church believe and what have I practiced all these years? It's what do I believe? What do I really believe? What's my conviction in this? And in a sense, you become, you, you rediscover God you kind of start over again. You discover God, you discover the Holy Spirit, you figure out what do I believe? Similar to what you did right after baptism, you you just kind of, you found God, you found your faith, you found your beliefs, you found your way of life. But now it's 20, 30 years later, and you have to figure out what do I believe? What is my faith? What is my conviction about this? So it's a, it's a, um, it's a tough stage, and but everybody goes through it. And not just once, we go through it multiple times. And in every one of those categories, we can go through, one person can go through all those categories at different times. And it is, you know, it's an existential crisis. Who am I? Who is God? It could be, you know, crisis of beliefs and motives. Uh, what's real? What is reality? Um, what do I really believe? And this is this is where we dig deeper. We have to get more honest and more real with God, and more real with each other. And that honesty and reality, that realness, the authenticity, oftentimes threatens leaders. They're like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. You know, you just, they, and, and, and of course, leaders, they love it when people are in the productive stage, because they're producing, they're doing a lot but hit the wall and all of a sudden they became a pain in the neck. You know, it's like your kid turning 14, all of a sudden that cute little nine-year-old that thought you were a hero and did everything you said now is questioning you and now is, is demanding things and, and not cooperative. 
So that's a tough part, but that inward journey is really important to maturing, to developing, to figure out a deeper faith, a deeper conviction. And when people go through their inward journey, which I think many of us are on, many of us uh, are in that inward journey, figuring out what we really believe. We're not as scared of some leader kicking us out. We're not as scared of, of what is the church going to say like we were before. Now we're more we're more like, hey, I want to I want to know what I think about this. And this is what I believe. And, and we're not afraid of people anymore. We're, we become more solid in our faith and in our convictions. And the great thing is when we become solid in our own faith and convictions, we're able to love people again. We're able to be more loving. We're able to be more faithful. We're able to, and we begin the outward journey. Where, but this, this, this journey, this phase, it's coming, we're, we're leading from our soul. We're leading from our spirit. We're not leading from from this is what people say, or this is what the church says, or it's the issue isn't the church anymore. The issue is God and the Holy Spirit. And the first part of, and the first phases of spirituality, it's a lot to do with the church and the social, the social community of the church. And what does the church believe? And that has a lot to do with our motivation and our compliance and our dutifulness and our response. At this stage, we tend to not worry about that so much. At this stage, it's more like, what does God want? What is the Holy Spirit telling me? And there's a tremendous freedom in that, that I don't have to do please people. I just want to please the Lord. And there's such freedom in that. And we're free because we learn to walk with God. We're free to love freely. We're, li- we're free to be able to do that. But but the key is getting through that wall. And these are some of the things that that we need and good for us to remember if if we're going through a wall which we will be and we'll be probably again but also helping other people get through the wall the process of overcoming the wall first of all it is a spiritual process nobody gets through the wall without god and and this is why a lot of people fall away at the wall because they're they're not looking for spiritual solutions what we started out talking about, the well, the well of life, Jesus. He's the one that gets us through it. And so we must turn to God. We must turn to Jesus. We must turn to the Holy Spirit to get through this wall. And if we get mad and pull away, we miss out on the very solution. Honesty is important and required. We have to get gut level on the, okay, here's what I really think. I don't agree with this. Or, you know, you know what? Honestly, I never thought we were the only ones saved. That was such a stupid teaching. But I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to get in trouble. But now I'm not saying that anymore. I'm not teaching that. I'm not going to talk like that or think like that. I never believed it. We get really honest. Sometimes we kind of get mad honest, but we get honest or, or, you know, I don't understand why God would do this, or I don't understand why this is happening in the church, or that's happening, and just being honest. And what that does is it invites God's solution. It invites the Spirit deep into our hearts. And, you know, we've all read the Psalms where David just pours his heart out, and sometimes it's angry, sometimes it's bitterness, sometimes it's vengeance, and yet, but because he pours it, he opens his heart to such a degree that God is able to work in his heart. And and sometimes it just takes a radical honesty, because 
When we're in the early stages, we don't want to be that honest. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's awesome. Oh, I believe, you know, the church is wonderful. Leaders are all wonderful. Everything's wonderful. But with time, we believe that less and we know there are problems. And eventually we got to face those problems. And we just got to be honest. I I don't think this is good. I, I think this has been a problem in the church or this has been a problem in my life or I'm struggling with it. I feel like I shouldn't be struggling with this. That honesty invites God to work on us. Forgiveness. It's its really. Honey, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I've been raising my hand, but I don't. Oh, think I couldn't see I'm you. Sorry. Sorry. My hand is so little on the screen. Well, no, you know what? I can't even see you. It only showed me. Oh, so go ahead, though. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, about yeah, no, I think um, if if I can just go back a little bit to the spirituality. Yeah. Um. I think there's some questions in there that we need to ask of ourselves about, you know, like even if you guys like, like even recognizing how different it has felt reading Psalm 23 and really absorbing that, really going through that, like how different that feels from maybe what, our to-do list or our um, uh, whatever we had been doing in our quiet times before. I think there's something um, definitely missing that was definitely missing in my life that I didn't realize how much God wanted to be part of my quiet times, but also my everyday walking. Like, I think I had the idea that uh, I would spend this much time with God in prayer in the morning. And it was always, I I do feel like it was always very sincere and very, um, like, I feel like I really had always focused on God, but not really making space for God to answer me or to always really be able to pour out some um, direction or some comfort or some love. Like I didn't really go into my quiet times expecting God to say something. And I think I felt more like I had to figure it all out as I went. And then I would get my little charge and then I would go do all my work. And then I would come back and tell God how I did as if he didn't know. (laughs) You know, and I I think it's so I think that spirituality, it's really looking at how how do I take God with me? How do I allow God to truly help me to like really um, treat my wounds even or, you know, I think what Robert was saying earlier about asking, what am I afraid of? What's behind this? And being like making space for God to really show us the answer to those questions. But then I do think also, I think someone shared that sometimes when we ask those questions, it does bring up stuff that we don't we didn't necessarily expect, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, could be even like how we were treated as a kid or something, you know. But I think even leaning into that a little bit, trusting that if God is 
bringing it up, then he will get me through. And I I think it is more of a, a soul searching that we open ourselves up for God to heal us and to help us. Um, and not, not really feeling like we ourselves have to figure it out, but that if we make that space for God through scriptures, through prayers, like obviously these are all truth and good things or journaling. Like, I think it's a way that God really can minister to us. And then I guess honesty, is it right in there with it? Because you can't do all that without really being honest. Well, maybe you can, but I think really having, like recognizing the power of honesty, you know, how if, however we feel, whatever we're thinking to really lean into God and trust that he's going to help us with what's really there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I appreciate that because it really is, this is where things really require us to dig deep spiritually. And, you know, honesty is a difficult thing. It's not easy. It's, really facing the truth of what's happening in my heart, what's in my mind, and, and maybe even scary sometimes, you know, if I've got a lot of anger, or I've got bitterness in my heart, or, and but, but again, you look at the Psalms, and you see David's level of honesty, and being able to submit that to God, being able to, to work that out with, with God, and what it does is it just it brings God at a much deeper level. And there has to be forgiveness closely attached to that. We have to be compassionate with ourselves and not judgmental. In our culture and church culture, not just us, all church cultures are, are very much towards judgmentalism. Well, you shouldn't because you know this and that, and how dare you? And and the problem is it shuts down honesty. It shuts down authenticity. And, and we get stuck in this, I've got to be doing great. I've got to be awesome. I've got to be mature. And we try to fake it to make it, but it doesn't really work. And that's oftentimes one of the walls we hit. It's just, I can't fake it anymore. I can't pretend anymore. So it's, you know, being spiritual, being honest, being very gracious and forgiving with ourselves, uh, acceptance and surrendering. And this is usually, you know, a big step in getting through a wall is just surrendering to God. Okay, God, you let this happen. You made this happen or you let it happen or, you know, it happened and you didn't stop it. So obviously you believe I can get through this. You know, you believe that that um, this will help me. And that acceptance is really important. And what can happen when we really surrender to God is we can begin to see even the value in suffering, the value in pain. Jesus was made perfect through suffering. I mean, suffering is one of those things. Nobody wants it. Nobody asks for it. Everybody avoids it. We don't want anything to do with it, but it happens, right? We suffer. And, and if we turn to God in our suffering, 
we are perfected, we are matured, we are our faith is purified, we are actually strengthened through it. Actually, it's part of God's grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And and that is really needed. You wanted to say something, Michelle? Uh well, I was just thinking how um I think it really is uh, all of these things, it really is like falling backwards into the arms of God. Mm-hmm. Because I think there are reasons why we don't do these things, right? We're afraid that maybe God's not going to be that real, that God's not really going to help us in these ways. And it kind of reminds me of when um, my dad, my dad died in 2020. And I started having like these um, light panic attacks. And I had never had that before. And I, you know, we talked to Doug, who's a doctor, our elder, and, you know, he was asking questions about it. But I think I I also realized, okay, um, you know, I, I started getting like accumulating fears, like, oh, no, like if I have panic attacks, we're not going to be in the ministry. And if we're not, in the, I'm not in the ministry, Robert's not going to be in the ministry and Robert should be in the ministry. And what will we do? And we, this is all we've ever done and blah, 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 blah. Like really like starting to really worry about a lot of things. And I, then I thought, well, what if I'm like this all the time and I can't even function and I can't talk to people. And, you know, I mean, really like starting to worry about it. And then I just thought, God, whatever your will is for me, that's what I want. And maybe, maybe I won't be that helpful for anybody in the future. Maybe this will be my future. And I want to be okay with that. And honestly, it almost like went away after I had that thought. And I'm not saying it's always that simple or anything, but I I think that sometimes Satan just scares us and chases us and we keep running and fighting and screaming and crying, (laughs) everything else. But I think if we're remembering God is with us and God knows us and God has a purpose for us and God has a plan for us and he he wants us to come to him and he will help us however he sees fit. Yeah, I think there's a a, such a um, comfort in surrendering to him and his will. Yeah, these are all, you know, keys of getting through the wall. The last one is probably the biggest one is love. It takes a lot of love to get through a wall. Uh, It takes accepting God's love. And for some of us, that in itself is a huge challenge that we think God is disappointed in us, especially when we're doubting or we're struggling with anger or bitterness and we know we shouldn't be, you know, and this is kind of like, where um, I love the story of Elijah under the broom tree, you know, when he he was just so deeply discouraged, he was afraid, and he said, "I should just die. I'm no better than my ancestors." And and God doesn't judge him and deal with him. God sends an angel to take care of him, you know. And I love to share this story because it's such a beautiful story where 
where, you know, the angel comes to Elijah and says, the journey is too much for you. I love that he says that. And I mean, Elijah's been through so much and he's done so many courageous things, but clearly he hit that wall where, you know, Jezebel's threat, he just lost it. He lost it and he took off running. And you think, wait a second, Elijah challenged all the prophets. He'd done so many miracles. Why did he lose it now? He was physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. And what does God do? God loves up on him. He says, Elijah, the journey is too much. I mean, he was discouraged to the point of despairing of life. And and what does the angel do? The angel makes him tortillas. And he makes them fresh tortillas. He gives them water. He feeds them. He takes a nap. I know, I know it didn't say tortillas. It says bread, but you know, Middle Eastern bread is tortillas, basically. And and he just loves up on him. And and he goes back and takes another nap. And I think sometimes we don't realize how much God loves us. And yeah, he he even in our difficult, even in our ugliness sometimes, even in our anger, even in our, and in fact, it's by being angry where we see how much he loves us or by being hopeless or being discouraged or being depressed or being that, that we begin to see how much God loves us. It's easy to think God loves us when we're out there doing great things and we're baptizing and we're, we're cranking and doing all these wonderful things. But what about when we're sitting there depressed and discouraged and broken? Feeling God's love then, discovering God's love at that level is life-changing. And that's what it takes to get through this wall is grabbing a hold of God's love and the love that people have around us. And it, it is oftentimes a very lonely time of life. It can be you feel misunderstood because you've got doubts and people that are still in the discipleship stage or the production stage look at you as, well, you're just rebellious and critical and you're so unspiritual. And you're thinking, dude, I've been doing what you do for 25 years. That's not it. There's something else going on in my life. And and that's the problem with judgmentalism in general is that we don't really know where each other are at. And, and so that it requires lots of love to get through this. And so what is necessary? Well, you have to really grab a hold of the Father. You have to get grab a hold of God and times with God. You've got to grab a hold of the Son. You've got to focus your eyes on Jesus. You've got to dig deep and spend time with the Holy Spirit and quietness and solitude. You've got to have spiritual friends. You need a community around you. Uh, friends who are spiritual, who will help you through this. They will love you through it. They will hang in there with you. And this is why it's really sad when people hit walls in the church and they have no friends. They almost always fall away because they can't get through it. Um, they get stuck at the wall and they lose their faith. They lose their, they lose their, their souls in this. Um, we need lots of prayer and scripture. This is, you know, the, you're discovering the power of just reciting Psalm 23. And there's 119 other Psalms, you know. I mean, but just that one right there, boom, can change us. I mean, that's transformed my life. I recite that daily for the last three or four years, and it's totally changed my life. It's in, in a great way. I, I, not like it converted me, but it it's given me strength when I needed it. It's given me inspiration when I needed it. Um, and and the time to be in solitude, to just be with God, 
and time to rest. This is really important because it's that that jar, you know, that jar of river water that's swirling with mud. It settles. The water clears. Sometimes that's part of getting through the wall is being able to rest and let ourselves calm down. Let ourselves be still and, and let things become clear and good. And that's that that is just a vitally important part of it. So these are some of the things that get us through the wall. And for us to remember when, you know, somebody we love is also struggling. And that what really, you know, we we, we move towards a life of love, which is the final stage where where of st- final stages of of spirituality, which they're also called sometimes the convergent stage, where everything comes together. The difficulties, the challenge, the pain, the suffering, the joys, the victories, it all kind of, we begin to see how this all works as part of our journey. And, and of course, this is God's gift to us, to, to learn to live a life of love, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of patience, of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You know, that, that this, this is the end game here. To get so, so we have to get through the wall sometimes, and so and and guess what? You know, it's really a spiral because you'll come back around to another wall. You know, and and but the the good news is we get better and better at getting through the wall because we learn these patterns of grabbing a hold of God, of holding the God's unchanging hand, and prayer, and and gathering friends around us, or having somebody to talk to, and we get better at this for ourselves, and of course. For everyone else. So I end with this scripture that we've shared before. What you are is God's oh. gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> did I say it was a scripture? Sorry. It's a quote. So we'll stop there. Thank you, Robert. Our next episode will be part four titled Spiritual Discernment. Thanks for listening to Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, Go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com, or through social media at the OC Church. Join us next time for part four of the journey. <laughs> <laughs>